Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Here we go, and it is a big show. Some uh, news on uh, Cooper Mays as he tries to uh, get back on the field as soon as possible with an undisclosed injury. Also, Urban Meyer will be portrayed, I hope, poorly uh, by, was it Netflix that's doing this special, Caleb, on his group of thugs that uh, won uh, at a very high level despite being not great dudes including one was a murderer but that's set to come out today and so we've got a lot coming up uh today on the program also on a tuesday it is always john adams we love visiting with him and we will do that here just momentarily so a lot of things going on on the program john will join us and i I want to share what i can about um, the Cooper Mays situation. And I will tell you this, I'm not going to get into specifics of the injury. I'm not going to get into timeline of when he could be back. I can just tell you that he's in good spirits and it's something that you do need to be touch and go with a little bit. Um, couldn't, I don't think it's going to sideline his season or any shape, form or fashion. I, again, I did not I specifically, and this will be on our YouTube channel. 
And it's why we're running a little bit late today, but this will be on our YouTube channel. And that is the Vol Report with Cooper Mays and the Vol Report with Jacob Warren. And we'll have those up, but I didn't get into timeline. But like I said originally, I think the concept of him being back in two weeks and ready for the Virginia game is a little short-sighted. Make sure he's ready for the Florida game. So uh, right now, based off other conversations that I've had of people within the program, this seems to be Ollie Lane's job. Could Addison Nichols up and get tough? Maybe, but I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon, Caleb. And uh, if it hasn't happened by this point, I wouldn't depend on it, it happening. But he's probably the most talented. Bison Lane getting some first-team snaps. I think it's huge for 2024 when Cooper is off in the NFL. And then you've got Parker Ball, which probably is not the most physically gifted player, but has gotten some looks at the um, – has gotten some looks at center too. So we'll see, but I think this is ultimately going to be uh, Ollie Lane will end up joining – uh, DeVos as their starter at center for the remainder of camp. And we'll see if that goes into um, if that goes any further into the season. But uh, talk to Cooper this morning. Um, the the timeline we'll see. Um, I think there's a question mark on, on everybody's behalf. So, Caleb, we've talked about that before. That is that would be a very significant loss. Uh, no question about it for Tennessee. I think and I'll stick by this. You do whatever you can to get him ready for the Florida game. That is what I would do, and uh, that would be kind of where I stand. And if he's if he's not able to go by Florida, I think you mishandled it a little bit. I'm not worried about uh, if I'm Josh Heupel, Virginia, or Austin P. You just got to be ready to go against Florida. Yeah, I agree. I would have him ready to go for Florida. I still, you know, if Ollie Lane's got it going, I, I might, the only thing I might do for rhythm purposes is try to get a few reps in for Austin P just so, because I think center quarterback exchange, their reps is a thing and being in rhythm is a thing. So I might get him a couple of snaps in the Austin P game if he's ready to go then just so he's fresh for Florida and not rusty, I guess is the right word. Yep. Well put. And Tennessee picks up a big commitment. We're going to break that down a little bit later. Jackson Ross, what do you make of him? Uh, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge pickup. Um, yeah, that's he is a borderline five star uh, pickup and five star on two four seven, four star on rivals. I mean, edge rusher out of Alabama. You really can't undersell how big of a deal this is. No, it was a big pickup, and we're joined by our weekly Tuesday guest, and we absolutely love visiting with him it's the one the only john adams we go from well we go i guess we go from the center of tennessee's offense to the center of sports journalism in knoxville it's john adams john how are you sir hey dave thanks for the intro but to be fair i'm probably bigger than knoxville now (laughs) about You've outgrown the city, huh? What about the region? No, I, I can't outgrow this town. It's growing like crazy. Uh, Cooper Mays and I do have something in common. I, I played eighth grade uh, center 
on our school's flag football team, and we ran the same plays that the uh, that the varsity did. So uh, I know who to block, uh, whom to block, rather, on a power sweep. John, you played center. Does that mean your quarterback was like, what, 78 pounds? Uh, he, he was a uh, – we had a small school, as Class B school in Louisiana. He was actually the first midget uh, to play football there in our area. Yeah, he was very, very, very tiny person. Uh, very, very nice. All right, let's go ahead and get to today's tough question, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Uh, today's tough question is right now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Given this latest commitment, John, do you feel like Tennessee is at the Alabama Georgia level of recruiting right now? August the 22nd. You've got an Arian Carter, which I know that either school would have taken in last year's class. You've now got Jordan Ross. You now, I think anybody would have taken Ethan Davis. So that's just a couple that come to the top of my head quickly. But is Tennessee at Alabama and Georgia's level in recruiting right now? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, it's got some really nice recruits. Josh Heupel's recruiting well, headed for another top 10 class. But Georgia and Alabama are right at the top or near the top. Every they, They've been doing that. For a while, they stack one of these, one great class on top of another. And for Alabama or Georgia to get a recruit like that, it's nice, but it's routine. For Tennessee, it's a big deal. So what does it take to get at that level, consistently picking up those guys? How long until you say that, uh, until we say Tennessee's like the 90s and the early 2000s where they're as good at recruiting as anybody else in the nation. At what point do you cross that threshold? I'm not sure. I mean, for one thing, Georgia has a great in-state recruiting base that Tennessee doesn't have. Um, Alabama does too. Tennessee's recruiting base is getting better simply because Tennessee is, is, is more heavily populated now. And so is the Knoxville areas, especially Nashville is. So, but I just think it's going to take a while. And I also think you need to have that championship credibility. Uh, Josh Heupel is doing great things, has Tennessee going in the right direction. But he hadn't won an SEC championship, hadn't won an SEC East championship. I think that would have to come first. So let me ask you this. Josh Heupel, we know, is a great scheme coach and a great offensive coach. Does Tennessee have to beat Alabama and Georgia in recruiting in order to have success against those schools and to eventually uh, better those schools on a regular basis? No, I don't think so. I think Josh Heupel has the best offense going in college football. If he can keep duplicating that season after season, yeah, he can win with that. Uh, we've seen teams, you go back and look in the last 10 years, there have been teams that, that won and didn't have that the top-rated recruiting classes. Um, but I, I, think, I think that gives Tennessee an edge, and I think people recognize that. I think that's why Tennessee is ranked 
10 in one poll and 12 in the other, despite significant losses, because people are really beginning to believe that Josh Heupel something special is an offensive coordinator and his system is something special. So, uh, yeah, you could, I mean, look, look what happened last season. Tennessee beat, uh, beat Alabama. Uh, it hadn't recruited as well as Alabama, but it beat it on the field. And if not for the South Carolina uh, defeat, Tennessee was headed for the playoff. So, no, it doesn't have to recruit at that level to compete for a championship. John, I um, funny enough, I know you mentioned Nashville. There's a running gag on the show that Dave knows that I talk about. If you really track recruiting, I think Nashville recruits, even as it gets bigger because there's so many Northerners coming in, the high school football is still very overrated in that city. <laughs> um, but with one of the things with Tennessee is the NIL is such a big advantage for Tennessee over other schools. So do you think I know you said you don't think that they can that they have to recruit on the level of Alabama, Georgia. But if Josh Heupel continues to have this success, do you think that combined with NIL will allow them to have the success on the level of Alabama and Georgia, even though they're not in as talent rich of an area? I think it can win a championship. Uh, but when you talk, start talking about having success of Alabama, you're talking about one of the greatest dynasties in the history of the sport. Nick Saban's won six national championships there, won another one at LSU, but and Georgia's won back-to-back national championship going for a third in a row, which nobody's done since the 1930s. So I I can't say any team is going to have that kind of success. Uh, and also you have to consider Nick Saban's arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. With Tennessee picking well, I up. Actually- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I actually meant. Do you think they could have? Do you think they could get to a point where they have recruiting success on the level of Alabama? Oh, and I, I'm sorry, Caleb. I misunderstood that. Uh, it's hard to say that now. And I, I, I just Tennessee has always recruited nationally. Uh, I think the advantage Alabama and Georgia has is uh, really talented players in state, but they also recruit nationally. So to me, they have a built-in edge, but that changes when coaches change. Kirby Smart's a terrific recruiter. And of course, Nick Saban is. So that's not to say at some point when coaches change that Tennessee could hang in there with them, with those coaches. To me, all the attributes you can have as a program, NIL, uh, solid recruiting base within your state or within your area, uh, uh, still, the great coach surpasses everything. The very best coach can win anywhere. And so that maybe Josh Heupel will become that. It's too early to say that now. He is John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. One aspect of Tennessee's football recruiting we haven't got into yet, and I want to address that because I think it's a bigger factor than a lot of people realize. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get. And with our cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. That's right, HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting and keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. 
and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. If you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. This reads really well for a Tennessee fan that says, oh, I love my program. Um, and I, I love the fact that they got this recruit, Jordan Ross, for instance. But one of the things that I think that we gloss over sometime is the family atmosphere that Josh Heupel has promoted. I think players feel comfortable on campus. At the end of the day, John, you and I both know that it's in this order now. NIL, can you get me ready for the NFL? And can I win championships? But somewhere in there below that, is the family type of atmosphere. And I think that's really significant. I do. Yeah. And that, that goes speaks again to having the best coaches, best coaches understand that Uh, we've heard uh, on and on about changing a culture, having a great culture. Well, that's nothing more than relationships. Uh, It's just become sort of a buzzword in football, uh, changing the culture, but no, you're right. I, I think, and I think at the very best programs uh, at Alabama and Georgia, I think the players feel it's probably uh, like a family. I think it's with the best programs, you're always going to hear that. You you know recruiting. You know how many times have you heard, well, when I, when I went to that particular school, uh, I just felt more comfortable and I felt like everybody was family there. Well, you know, I, I guess you can can kind of create that environment in most places, but you have to really go through it and go through it day to day. It's one thing to feel like it's family and recruiting, but to go through it day to day, that's different. And I think that's what Josh Heupel's done. I think the players genuinely like him as a coach, and that helps. No, I, I, I couldn't put it better myself. I completely disagree. I do love the changing culture thing. It's It's kind of like, oh, we're going to start eating with our hands or we're going to have tea at, uh, in the afternoon like we're in England or uh, like, I don't know, somewhere in Africa, respectively. The changing culture is just about being a good person. You know, if you if somebody, if an AD says, we're going to change the culture, it means the last coach was a jack wagon. Yeah, and you always want, you always want the last coach to seem like a jack wagon because that means better days are surely ahead. Do you think Jeremy Pruitt? Well, he's an exception. I don't know if you ever mentioned culture. Uh, that the two don't really go together well. But but you're right. It is just uh, I can remember Lou Holtz when he was at South Carolina. I think it, it was maybe three years in, and he still he was still talking about changing the culture. Well, if you haven't changed it by that point, and he had some good seasons, I'm not knocking his, his track record there, but it was just an odd thing to say. And, and you hear it. I think you hear it less now because people understand the immediacy of college football. Uh, you don't hear as much about, you never hear rebuilding. That's like a, a dirty word now to say, yeah, we're rebuilding. No, that because that implies a long, uh, a long time frame. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, but I think if you're if you're a coach who treats players well, treats them with respect, and helps them get better at their craft, and gives them confidence when they go on the field, they're they are well prepared. 
I think then you have a really good culture. Yes, you do. And and they win. That certainly <laughs> helps. Time for what the H? And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, Andy Mason Real Estate.com. What the what was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of off the hook sports.com. John's not big on the Twitter. So I'm going to update him just a little bit here. Uh, there was an interview with Tony Elliott where he talked about he strongly considered taking the Tennessee job. And he was among probably a dozen candidates when Tennessee hired Josh Heupel. And then Danny White responded with a quote retweet and said, I let this go once, but I'm paraphrasing. Not a second time. I do not remember offering... Tony Elliott, the job. What do you make of that? That's a ADs don't do that a lot. They usually sit back, but I thought it was kind of interesting last night when that hit. I think it, it, it's very odd. Yeah, normally they just let it go, and and there was there was plenty of speculation about that that he was in fact offered the job. But if I had been in Danny White's position, even if I had offered him the job, I would think later, well. Maybe I thought I offered him, but I didn't really offer him because you just you've hired Josh Heupel. So the idea of having Tony Elliott would be pretty chilling at this point because he's not conceded that much of Virginia. But, you know, it could also be semantics. Uh. For example, Danny White could have said in an interview with Tony Elliott, if I offered this job to you, would you accept it? Or maybe you'd have gone a little further if uh, he said, if I had fallen on and hit my head on the floor <laughs> and offered you this job, would you have accepted? And Tony Elliott said, yeah, but that's not actually offering him the job. True. Uh, and, and another way to look at it, Dave, is that I think he knew what he had with Josh. Well, no, he didn't know that Josh Heupel was this good, maybe because Josh Heupel hadn't done it in the SEC. But from being together at UCF, he thought, well, if I can't find somebody better, I've still got Josh Heupel here. So I can I can scan the landscape and see if I can come, on, come up with someone I think is even better. If not, I still got Josh Heupel. So who knows? You would have had to have been in the room. But if I were in Danny White's shoes, I wouldn't want anybody to think I'd offer the job to Tony Elliott. He's an offensive coach who has no offense <laughs> at Virginia. So, well, and I want to get to that. And, and Caleb's going to jump in here. I remind you that John's appearance brought to you in part by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best service, best price in the biz. How about that? And it's true with Andy Mason. I've known him for 25 plus years. Andy Mason of andymasonrealestate.com will take care of your real estate needs right there in the Knoxville area. He's Phenomenal. CC? I got two Caleb's, John. So I've started going with CC and CJ for Caleb Calhoun and and uh Caleb Giroux. What do that's, you think? Uh, that's extremely creative, Dave. Way to go. <laughs> Mine, I my first name's actually John, so I am also actually JC. Like yeah. okay, sorry. And his middle <laughs> name's Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Da, 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 da. My little brother's name is also John Jacob Calhoun. I I don't need to go into what my parents were thinking. 
Well, um, later on, we may find out that your real name is Tony Elliott. Well, funny <laughs> enough, he knows too much about football. That's the problem. I'm about I'm about to push back on you guys. What I think Danny White's the best athletic director in in in, co- in college athletics right now. I think he's lying. I think he did offer the job to Tony Elliott, and I I. Actually, I'll admit this. I pushed for the Tony Elliott hiring at the time because I thought he would be a decent splash hire. He had had success at Clemson coaching the offense. I do think Tony Elliott turned it down because it was a bad, by any reasonable definition of bad job, Tennessee was a bad job in 2021. And I don't blame Danny White for going after Tony Elliott, but I want to know if, I want to know where you guys think, John, particularly you, where do you think Tennessee would be had they hired Tony Elliott? Certainly not where Josh Heupel is, but do you think it would have been a disaster? Oh, yes. Really? <laughs> yeah, I sure do. Uh, I think if you're a really good offensive coach, uh, as Josh Heupel is, wherever you go, you make an immediate impact in that area. You might not elevate the entire program, but you show right away that you're a really good offensive coach. He didn't do that. Same way with defensive coach. Jeremy Pruitt was supposed to be a defensive guru. So when he comes to Tennessee, you expect immediate success. Uh, some Not overall, maybe, but on defense. <laughs> so, hey, that defense looks better. And if you go back to his first, his Tennessee debut against West Virginia, West Virginia is still running into the end zone against Jeremy Pruitt's defense. So, no, I think uh, here's a problem I have with that. You can say Tennessee was down at that time. It was in a dreadful place. But you've never been a head coach, and you're offered a head coaching job in the SEC. Where did Tony Tony Elliott think he was going? And he ended up taking the Virginia job? That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Out of all the guys that were in the hopper, I think we would agree that Josh Heupel and Zachary says Jay Hop the best person for the job. I think we would agree with that. Whether or not he was offered first, I don't think really matters because I think a lot of guys are offered first. And with the exception of like Alabama going to get Nick Saban, the first guy usually says no. And he did say no for a while with the Dolphins. But Alabama was rejected by Greg Schiano. Remember that? Yeah. And who would, John, who would even be in that conversation of close to Josh Heupel. Like if they hadn't gotten Josh Heupel, Tennessee's doing okay. I don't think any of the names that I heard at the time are leading Tennessee to a win over Alabama, a 10-win season, and knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Is there anybody else that you think would have even had above a modicum of success at Tennessee? Urban Meyer. Well, no, take away Urban Meyer and John Gruden for the love of all that's holy. I mean, those guys weren't coming, but the, uh, take away the, the realistic ones that you heard, if you can dial me back in time a little bit. No, because that's what Tennessee had been doing. That's its history of finding the trying to find these kind of guys, and it was failing miserably. It, it had Derrick Dooley, uh, Butch Jones, and Jeremy Pruitt. All questionable hires. Uh, when you look at it on paper, Butch Jones was, he was, he had the best resume of the three. However, if you looked at, 
if you looked at it in detail and really analyzed it, you're not having to go that deep. Butch Jones just followed Brian Kelly around. Brian Kelly won at Central Michigan. Butch came in. Brian Kelly recruited well. Uh, same thing happened at Cincinnati. Uh, when Brian Kelly uh, left Notre Dame, Notre Dame considered Butch Jones. Just kidding. Notre Dame went <laughs> here, Butch Jones. That's kind of where it ended. But I, I, I just think – I think it's so important when you hire a coach now, if you can hire a coach that who is really proven in an, in an offensive – with offense and quarterbacks. You look at Lane Kiffin. You pretty much – you look at Spencer Riley, not Spencer Riley, Lincoln Riley. I still call him Spencer Riley because Spencer Riley played center on Tennessee's national championship team. And I get. And you can uh, check out his edition of the Celebrate 98 series on our YouTube channel. Good tease. Thank you very much, Dave, but it was totally unintentional. So <laughs> I, I just, but that's the direction I would want to go in. And. He was just different than those guys. You can say, well, Josh Heupel hadn't proved himself at this level. He was at UCF. But you couldn't say that he hadn't proved himself offensively. He did that as a coordinator at Missouri. Then he did it again uh, as a head coach at UCF. So I, I just think, yeah, Tennessee was fortunate. But Tennessee was really due to be fortunate after all those other hires. Yeah, you can't be due. I mean, there's something in there's something to be said about that in sports. Zachary says, love the content, guys. Just subscribe to VFL. There you go. We appreciate it. Jacob Warren, what should people do if they want to hear John Adams, Jimmy Himes, Josh Ward, and Fred White, and some guy named Caleb and Dave? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. He does. And who needs <laughs> to... Uh, step up and who has the most pressure on them coming up next, other than, of course, Joe Milton. What players have got to up and get it done? Two minutes with John Adams. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Caleb Calhoun off the sports. Our family has been creating one of a kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your 
these mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Quick story before we get to what Tennessee ball has the most pressure on him. That's name isn't Joe Milton. And that is John Adams was very close to breaking the Derek Dooley hire. A lot of people don't know that. I don't even know if John remembers that, but he got a tip from somebody, I believe, at Law Tech. And I, I believe the consensus was, there's no way in hell they'll they'll actually hire him, so we didn't run it. Was that pretty much the consensus, as you remember it, John? Man, that, that was a long time ago, yeah. But I I was told that he, could, he would be the hire. And I remember telling you, I said, John, he's got a losing record at Law I, Tech. There's no way. I know. It's one of those things you hear it and you think, well... It's a pretty good source, but I just why would they do that? You're right. Other people might have said he was on he was really on the hot seat at Louisiana Tech because he'd had two losing seasons two in three years. And I think his overall record, I think, was more more L's and W's. So yeah, it was a it's kind of a weird deal. I think that job I don't know how many people were offered that job. Maybe Tony Elliott was offered that job as a much younger man, but uh, it was passed around to a few people. John, I got a question on this, though, because I, th- uh-huh. I, cons- I have a little bit of a theory, and I want to know what your thoughts are on the Derek Julie hire. Dave okay. has informed me about how really the boosters took the hiring out of Mike Hamilton's hands because of the Lane Kiffin failure, so that was a Jimmy Haslam hire more than it was a Mike Hamilton hire. My theory is that because Jimmy Haslam himself is the son of somebody very successful in a career failure at everything he's done, he saw himself in Derek Dooley. <laughs> I see myself as a loser compared to my father. May I hire you? Yes. That's a, I'll, that's an interesting theory, Caleb. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's important in all these, and we revisit these hires from time to time, and it's almost like here, well, so-and-so really made that hire. I don't think anyone wanted – I'm sure John Curry said, I wasn't really going to hire Greg Chiano, but I was told this is the guy you've got to hire from an affluent booster. Uh, so that – you know, 
I will say this, Mike Hamilton on his ledger, he he hired some uh, pretty good looking coaches. Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley. Yeah. Have you ever heard me say before, always beware the good-looking coach? Have you and I had that discussion? High schools do that all the time. They hire the good-looking guy who stands up in front and everybody rallies behind, and a lot of times he's a complete dodo bird. (laughs) It's true. It is. I know great coaches that because they're not, air quotes, good-looking, have been passed over for jobs repeatedly. Well, I also think the good looks help with that first impression. There's no doubt about that. Derek Dooley never had a hair out of place on his head, dressed well, wore nice sunglasses, expensive sunglasses. Yeah, he was always camera ready, so to speak. Uh, you could say the same thing about Butch Jones. He just didn't have the the looks to go with it. He was trying to get the right look, but couldn't quite pull it off. He had a $7 haircut. This is terrible. Uh, Rocky Top Tom saying if Derek Dooley's last name had been Baker, he never would have been hired. I agree with that. If it's not Dooley, I would. And if Jimmy's last name wasn't Haslam, he'd be homeless because he sucks at everything he does. (laughs) He'd be outside the pilot, John, holding up people for burgers. Well, there, there goes your chance of getting the Flying J as a sponsor, Dave. Yeah, that's out. We're going for Casey's or Bucky's. I when my I was already too late the minute Dave hired me in my old job. I was the first person who felt Jimmy Haslam was behind the Shiano hire, and I knew that he was behind Curry coming in as athletic director to have his little puppet. And I just felt that Jimmy, I, I have ranted about Jimmy Haslam's career failures for a long time. <laughs> well, <laughs> but he's doing, uh, but he's doing great, th- great things in Cleveland. Oh, oh. yeah. Some fantastic things. A serial sexual assault person, and they're not going to win. And now he's not good. He was the thing that he was best off, best at is ripping off a minority convenience store owners. If there was an award given for that, he would have. He would have. And he still, he still went four billion dollars in debt or whatever that company. How do you drive an oil company into billions of dollars in debt? We're off, we're off track. Let's talk some ball. <laughs> uh, there's obviously a lot of pressure on Joe Milton. So I'm going to ask these guys, Caleb Calhoun and John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel, uh, who has the most pressure other than Joe Milton? It's four downs, and it is now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Four Downs brought to you by our friends City Heating and Air Conditioning. City Heat and Air Integrity Matters. 50 years in Knoxville. Check them out. You may not need a whole new unit. Again, you may just need a new part or new coolant. They'll take care of you. Don't trust these other fly-by-night guys. 50 years in Knoxville. Integrity Matters. Coop. What down is it? Coop here. First down. Okay, so we all know Joe Milton has the most pressure on him of any player, correct? On offense, who's second? John, I'll begin with you. Well, since uh, Cooper Mays can't play in the opener, I'll say the center, Ollie Lane. There's tremendous pressure on him. He's He's got to snap the ball. He's got to, he's got to make the blocking calls. He's got to maintain that fast pace that uh, Josh Heupel demands 
So here he is in a starting a season in a prominent role, and he's not accustomed to that, of course. So I would I would say there's a lot of pressure on him in the opener. I would add to that Addison Nichols. He has more physical ability, but he plays like a roll of Charmin toilet paper. Caleb, he's soft. Caleb, you? I'm 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 along your lines, Dave. But I'm going Gerald Mincy, who is mm. mentally soft and very mentally weak. It sounds like, but he should be the starting right tackle. And it's shameful that he's not etched into the starting lineup at one of the tackle spots yet. Kind of scary, guys. We named three offensive linemen. What down are we at now, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Second down, as you know, the center often calls the 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 snap count. No, he doesn't. That's the quarterback. All right, so second down from Coop. Um, John, on defense, most pressure heading into the season? Um, I would say what – well, there's pressure on all the DBs, obviously. They need to get so much better in that area, but – I look at the linebackers, and I think there's pressure on Aaron Beasley, who had a fantastic Orange Bowl game. He's in a new linebacker role. He's in a position where he gets supposed to make plays, and I think he will, but there's pressure to perform at a very high level at that position. Uh, I love that one. I could take um, maybe Wesley Walker at the other safety position. But on defense, it's time for Beasley to go from – he went from okay to good last year. It's time for him to go from good to very good. Caleb, who would you take on defense? Guys, it's the guy who lost his starting job to a junior college transfer two years ago. It's Tyler Barron. He lost his starting mm-hmm. job at the edge rusher to Byron Young. Then he entered the transfer portal, came back two days later, played in a rotation last year, Everybody was waiting for him to be a star the minute he committed in 2020, and he hasn't hit that next level yet. He needs to hit that this year. All right, Coop. What's next? Third down? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. What coach has the most pressure? I think we're all going to be on the same page here. I'd be surprised if we varied. Uh, I would go with uh, Willie Martinez. Amen, brother. I mean, you've. You've got a lot of DBs there, that, and I don't see where anybody has progressed to a great extent. So somebody needs to come through. So I would, I would say that's a pretty obvious pick. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, remember when Tennessee had Pat Washington and Larry Slade as receivers coach and defensive backs coach, respectively, and they were great recruiters. Pat Washington, very involved with T. Martin's recruitment, and – at some point, I think Willie Martinez is a great recruiter. I've got to question him as a player development coach. Caleb, do you, you got anybody besides Willie Martinez? I mean, I would actually go one step above and go Tim Binks. And because, look, Willie Martinez, I think he's, what, 60 now? I don't think he's looking for a head coaching job ever. I think he knows at this point he's a career positions coach, which is fine. I think and Tim Binks is- a, And does not have a contract passed this year. He's the only coach on the staff. I do want to point that out. That is true. I think Tim Banks is trying to climb. I think he's a guy that would like to climb the coaching ladder at some point. And that's going to be difficult to do in uh, coaching in a hypo offense, offensive based system. So I I think he's going to, I think he's going to have the most pressure because of what he's putting on himself to try to deliver this year. All right. So here we go. Fourth down. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Fourth down. John, the most pressure on this football team on any one player is Joe Milton. We all agree. 
If Joe Milton got a $100 million NIL deal to go to Notre Dame and he had to leave tomorrow, and it's uh, Nico stepping in, and I always like to, uh, for Nico to handle his own name so I don't mess it up. Ia Maleava. Ia Maleava. If it's Nico right now and he's the guy, and that's the conversation we've been having based off what you've heard from Josh Heupel throughout the preseason and even uh, following Monday's press conference, loves him, says he's ready to play. Tennessee be okay. If there was no Joe Milton, it's just Nico. Do you think Tennessee would be okay heading into the season? No, I don't because there's a big drop off behind Nico that, yeah, if Nico, oh, I think Nico has air from everything I've heard about him. Uh, he has the ability and the intangibles to be successful in the SEC as a quarterback. He could be uh, a terrific SEC quarterback. But he's got to st- if he were in that role, he would have to stay healthy. Uh, I would feel better about that after he's been in a college weight room for strength and conditioning program, rather, for a year. So I think that would be difficult. Uh, however, uh, I would still feel better about Nico than I would some other backup quarterbacks in the SEC. You know who Kentucky's backup quarterback is? No, I do not. No. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I mean. Uh, I just think I would still feel good because you always want to err on the side of, side of talent. And he apparently has the talent you need to be successful. But I would just be concerned about his staying healthy. John, great stuff as always. Every Tuesday, it's John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. How else do we follow your work? Uh, On knoxnews.com, govalsextra.com. And also, you can check out our podcast with colleague uh, Blake Topmeyer, SEC Unfiltered. Love that Blake Topmeyer. He's killing it. Probably the best columnist in Tennessee. What about me? John, have a great day, sir. See you guys. He's John Adams. I'm Dave Hooker. And uh, let's go ahead and dig into a, a bit of a bigger picture topic, and that is the SEC East is starting to take shape. Carson Beck named the starter at Georgia. Graham Mertz named the starter at Florida. Missouri will play both Brady Cook and Sam Horn. Of the balls, who, as we discussed, their quarterback situation is pretty set. Of this group that I just mentioned of SEC East teams, which of these starters named should Tennessee take the most interest in? I would think um, Carson Beck was a known commodity, Missouri. Crazy time. They're going to play two guys, which I think is goofy. And then eventually I would think they would settle on one by the time the Tennessee game rolls around. To me, I think it's Graham Mertz. I think that's the one you take note of. And, you yeah, I talked to Jacob Warren on the ball report that will be up. They're not even planning for Virginia yet. So they're not planning for any of these teams. But now that I know it's Graham Mertz, in coaches' meetings, I'm thinking about Graham Mertz a little bit. What do you make of these three starters and which one affects Tennessee the most now that we know who it is? Well, I can tell you that uh, Florida starting Graham Mertz benefits Tennessee the most. I'm not as low on Graham Mertz as John Adams is because he tried, He said he might be the worst quarterback in the SEC East. I don't, I'm, I don't think he's a bad one. But, Dave, 
Graham Mertz's style, Tennessee's defense has some weaknesses. Graham Mertz's style uh, makes him unable to expose those because you and I know Tim Banks is all about pressure. He's all about pressure and dialing up different stunts and blitz packages with elite edge rushers and the linebackers in the middle. Graham Mertz is a quarterback out of 1992. He is a drop back statue. I think Casey Clawson is faster than Graham Mertz, honestly. And (laughs) he is, yes, yes. He is a drop back passer who cannot move at all in the pocket. If you're going to torch Tennessee secondary, you got to be able to move in the pocket, right? You got to be fast. You got to be athletic as a quarterback. You, you got to be like Spencer Rattler, Bryce Young. I mean, you, you got to have some fluid fluidness in the pocket. Mertz has none. Tennessee is going to sack him 17 times in that game. Ty, Tyler Barron may turn into Bobby Boucher in that game. I mean, yeah. I'm sure yeah, I, the Mertz thing to me. Um, it, it seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Maybe he goes back there and he's just a caretaker of the offense. And the <laughs> you mentioned um, Clawson a couple of years after him, it was uh, Rick Clawson, his brother, who probably would have been well suited for that. But Philip Fulmer fell in love with the talent of Eric Ainge. So Mertz may be able to do that. I mean, what's the best case scenario for Mertz is that he's a caretaker that doesn't make a lot of big plays on his own. I'm not even talking about legs. I'm talking about arm strength, ability. I don't think he scares you going into any game at all. Please play devil's advocate, Caleb, for a second and tell me why the Vols should be afraid of Graham Mertz. So the way they should, the Vols should be afraid of Graham Mertz if they don't get what they need at I can't play devil's advocate because what know, Florida it's almost, what Florida, it, you're almost no offense, but you almost sounded stupid just saying it. And I ask you, yeah, to. exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think of, because Florida, Florida wants, it wants to ground and pound. They want to do like the old Rex Ryan, New York jet system. You know what I mean? They want to run the ball. They do have good running backs on the team. So they want to run the ball a lot. Fine. That's great. This is like a, they're, they're building like a Nick Saban team in 2012, but Dave, you know, to be a Nick Saban team in 2012, you have to have the best offensive line in the history of man. D- does Florida have the best offensive line in the history of man? Okay. No. So I ask you to do this. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Graham Mertz will be a game manager. He will. I don't believe really any of this. Just want everybody to know. Graham Mertz will be a game manager. He will have some drawn out drives against Tennessee. Six, seven minute drives. He won't make mistakes, and that will the drawn out drives will keep Tennessee's offense out of a flow and not able to take advantage of their up tempo style. There, that's the best I can do. It. I mean, that's the best I can do. He won't be able to milk the clock because they won't move the ball. I don't I know. know where you. I don't know where you land on this, but here's the thing: defensive line is literally Tennessee's biggest strength on defense. So unless Florida has like Alabama level offensive lineman from 2012, that's the only way you can have a drop back passer. Who's a game manager at quarterback. Isn't it? By the way, he had that at Wisconsin. As you and I know, Wisconsin turns out NFL linemen, like nobody other, like no other program in the country. I mean, they're the best offensive line program in the country. He's not getting that at Florida. And let me, the Carson Beck thing that was expected. It would have, it would have been news had he not been the starter. Right. It would have. It would have. To me, the, I, I saw a little bit on, on the message board, and I wanted to mention this. 
I don't. I think Carson Beck should scare Tennessee. I think his offensive coach should not. Mike Bobo. If Dow Logans wasn't in the SEC, Mike Bobo might be the worst offensive coordinator in the SEC. Yeah, Carson Beck. Um, listen, if if he has the clutch gene of Stetson Bennett, then and I know Stetson had his limitations, but he turned himself into a fantastic quarterback. Wouldn't you agree? If he oh, has, he the, yeah, if he has the clutch gene of Stetson Bennett. And that's one in a million. When is the last time Tennessee has had two incredibly clutch, or any program has two incredibly clutch quarterbacks back to back? I thought Casey Clawson was very clutch. We yeah, Tim Martin and Casey Clawson were both clutch, and they were back to back. I would take those back to back, but when else? Peyton Manning didn't beat Florida, made some mistakes. He was clutch. I am pushing back. Peyton Manning okay. was clutch. But Put I, all that was, SEC championship game. No, 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 no. I agree. In '97, the SEC championship game. But I could at least make the argument that he got tied against Florida, right? I I think the I wouldn't say Peyton did. I'd say the coaches did. And the Peyton entire had, team. yeah. Peyton had. Let's not forget this. Peyton put up thirty six points in nineteen ninety five against Florida. It's not his fault. John Chavis gave up sixty two. And I'm with you. you I I thought um, I do think there were times though. Was it perhaps? Um, I'm trying to remember the year that he looked. 96, you can blame him. That was that meltdown where they had like four turnovers and fell behind 35 to nothing in the first 20 minutes. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember you, that. You can blame Peyton for that because he made a lot of mistakes in those first 20 minutes. But I don't blame him for 97. That was the worst. Tennessee had a brand new offensive line. They hadn't found their running game yet. So Peyton Manning was under duress the whole game. If you go back and watch, Peyton Manning had less than two seconds to throw the ball every time he dropped back. I don't blame him for 95. He put up 36 points against the Bob Stoops defense. It's not his fault that that uh, Florida scored 62. I'll blame him for 96. It's the only one I'll blame him for is the 96 loss to Florida. Speaking of quarterbacks, it was Joe Milton says he was asked about the Orange Bowl. He said, I just don't lose in Florida. Zachary pointed that out. And then in response, Rocky Top Tom said, I wish Joe hadn't said that. Might come back to bite him in the arse. It might. I wonder if he thought if, if he could, if he, if, if he could take that back, if he would, if Joe Milton would take that back there, it depends. It depends on how mentally tough Tennessee and Florida are. I've watched games. I will never forget this. Rasheed Wallace. Remember this when the Pistons are playing the Pacers in the um, Eastern conference finals and Rasheed Wallace is like, Indiana's not winning game two. Guarantee it. Reggie Miller choked in game two. And then Detroit, Indiana wins game three. And uh, she goes, we got to make sure we go back with the series tied at two. So we're going to do that. We're definitely going back series tied. Don't worry. We'll get game four. Indiana choked again. So maybe Joe saying that is going to get Florida to choke because they're going to be a little nervous that he said that. About to tell you Florida. what Jordan Ross really means for Tennessee recruiting. And we've discussed it a little bit with John, but I think it's bigger than what John believes. And that's in 90 seconds. And it's, it's a big deal. That was a big pickup for Tennessee. I was hearing the, well, Recruiting circles. Let me tell you, ninety seconds. Uh, hang tight. He's Caleb Calvin. I'm Dave Hook. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today.
With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. I got caught. My bad. <laughs> Man, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Hopefully you said something very insightful there. I, got I said absolutely nothing. Yeah, I got caught running the restroom. That's never, it's never happened to me, Caleb. Not one single time. It happened to you the other day. And uh, there we go. All right, Jordan Ross, what does it mean? It is monstrous. So I'm talking to uh, someone who's very connected in recruiting circles and uh, just knows a ton of assistant coaches. And they're talking about Jordan Ross. And it looked like Tennessee was going to land him all along, right? Well, kind of. I, I heard a lot of talk that he might go in a different direction and the person i was talking to said that's a statement type of get because they are beating alabama they are beating florida and georgia and texas and you pick up jordan ross out of birmingham alabama six foot four and a half 233 pounds a top 100 player uh, the top player in alabama the number two edge rusher and he's committed to tennessee so Jordan Ross could end up being an absolute bust, which I don't think he will, but could end up being an absolute bust at Tennessee, and it doesn't matter. He has already had a very, very big impact on Tennessee's class. They're at number six right now, um, so you're talking about one of the elite classes in the nation, and there will be more that will fall. I guarantee you that, and it's probably going to be one or Maybe two, I'm told, before football season begins. But even if it's not before football season begins, it's going to be soon. That may be the most impactful commitment that Tennessee has gotten that is not named Nico. Your thoughts on picking up Jordan Ross. Arian Carter was big. This one, I'm told, is bigger as far as the impact and the wave that it will have through recruiting circles. Oh, this is definitely bigger, mainly because, again, Arian Carter, you could at least say in-state guy with Arian Carter last year. Jordan Ross, I mean, we're talking Birmingham, the heart of Crimson Tide country. I mean, Alabama played their major home games in Birmingham for nearly 70 years. It's an hour west of Tuscaloosa. This is, Or is it an hour east? I think it's an hour west. Um, 
Uh, Tuscaloosa, it's like northeast. Birmingham is northeast of Tuscaloosa? Yes. I should know this. My mom lives in Tuscaloosa and flies me into Birmingham That's okay. all the time. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but I agree. This is huge. The one I would, the one I, the one name I would say is on this level. I'm going to be honest, Dave, is also Bennett Warren, the Texas kid, the kid out of Texas. That was also a because one, it was an offensive lineman, and we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Tennessee has to get guys in the trenches. They can't just. It's one thing to beat out player uh, other schools for Mike Matthews. You're going to get your receivers with Josh Heupel's system. You got to win for top talent in the trenches. They went into Texas and got a kid that Alabama really wanted in Texas and that Michigan really wanted in Texas. And if you're an offensive lineman, let's be honest, Alabama and Michigan are probably better places for you right now than Tennessee. So to choose Tennessee was a big deal. But it's close. I don't don't know if that's bigger than Jordan Ross. So Jordan Ross is still right there with it. Jordan Ross, the biggest, and it's not close. And compared to Mike Matthews, yes, Mike Matthews is one of those anywhere guys. He could have gone anywhere he wanted. Georgia wanted him out of Lilburn, Georgia. But Tennessee has an offense that's very appealing for Mike Matthews. So I get that. That one makes sense. Uh, Bennett Warren is the offensive tackle out of Texas. They pick him up. But again, his in-state schools, Texas, Texas A&M, they got issues. Jordan Ross wanted by everybody, including the in-state Alabama Crimson Tide, and Tennessee gets him. And Alabama's the best college football program of our generation. He turns them down. He turns Georgia down. He comes to Tennessee, and he's a defensive player. So, so much for that argument of you can't get defensive talent because you run so many plays on offense. Throw that out the door. And if if yeah, if, if I'm Tennessee, I'm a big fan of referrals. So when we do good things for clients, and by the way, always support our sponsors. If you see them here, they bring you this content. So please support our sponsors. I'm a big fan of referrals. So when we do something good for a client, uh, and there's another prospective client, I'm like, call him. Call him and see what Off the Hook Sports did for you. So right now, if I'm... If, if I'm Josh Heupel, man, I got a I got a pretty good group for you to call. If you're a, an edge rusher or any position for that matter, uh, I'm going to have you call Alante Taylor if you're a defensive back and talk about the one year that they had with him. I'm going to have um, you call um, Byron Young would be a guy. Look what they did with him. And I'm just talking about the defensive side of the ball. And now I've got a guy in the fold, no offense to any of the other defensive players, because you could go Caleb Beasley four-star, but he's related to a player. So that doesn't mean a lot. He's going to go to Tennessee. But I'm going to say, hey, you got any questions? Call Jordan Ross. You two discuss it. You're probably friends on social media. Everybody knows everybody. And Jordan Ross is, and I'm going to write about this later today, He is one of those guys that could be, we'll see, that could be a part of a group, and I'm including Matthews in this, that could be a part of a group like Cozy Coleman, Jamal Lewis, and Deion Grant when they came to Tennessee in the mid-90s, and it changed things forever. It changed things forever for Philip Fulmer's program. You're looking, if you want to look at the top, with a Jordan Ross, Mike Matthews, Bennett Warren, I know they're not from the same place. Don't even know if they know each other. 
but you're starting to talk about a top trio that can change the way you're perceived in recruiting when you walk in the door. Because I can't tell you how many kids have a perception of you or their parents or their coach, and they say, you know, school X, not even really going to give them a shot. Now Tennessee walks in with their recruiting, their success on the field, and they got a shot at every kid they call. That's how big Jordan Ross was last year. Arian Carter was as well. And I think you're going to see that uh, continue. Unless Tennessee struggles on the field, I don't see any reason why they can't be a top five recruiting program. And I would not have said that before Jordan Ross's commitment. Here's the next step. There's one last step Tennessee has to take because we said the step is they got to get those big uglies, the big guys on either side of the ball out of these other places, nationally, Texas, Alabama, things like that. If you track their recruiting the last two years, though, they still are having trouble picking up elite defensive backs because we talk about the defensive system. Dave, I think a lot of plays helps you if you're an edge rusher. Because, again, you're not going to get the blame when the defense is giving up a lot of points. All they're going to see is you getting a lot of sacks and tackles for a loss and things like that, which helps you for the NFL. Tennessee Tennessee still, I think they have one unanimous four-star across all recruiting services from the past three years that committed at defensive back, and that would be Jordan Matthews out of Louisiana last year. And based on what you told me, it sounds like they opened up the checkbook for him (laughs) to get him out of Louisiana. And... Yes, I think that I think Tennessee's last move is call your call your boosters and say open up the checkbook for a few more defensive backs. That's what they need. They got it. It's one thing to get an edge rusher because again, Tennessee system, even though it gives up a lot of points, it actually allows you to thrive as an edge rusher. Defensive back, they still haven't hit that level yet, and that's still the weakest part of Tennessee's team too. But Jordan Ross is a great step, and you are right with that. And you are right that with defensive back, Alante Taylor should be the one on the phone with everybody right now. You can say, I mean, he was a second-round draft pick after one year of playing with in Josh Heifel's system at cornerback. So the next move is defensive back. No, I agree. All right, uh, we had a question before we get to what should be a very interesting documentary if they do it right, and that's about Florida being a bunch of thugs at the time. Uh, Rocky Top Tom said, uh, praise Zeus. Please tell me what's up with Ryan freaking Wingo. Well, I'll tell you right now. I think Ryan Wingo got caught up in the game of recruiting, enjoyed it. Uh, suddenly, um, and I've seen guys do this before. I think I told you the story of uh, the the Ramsey kid who's a standout cornerback in the NFL now. Help me with his first name. Jalen Ramsey, the one Derek lost to Florida State. Yeah, he was com- he was completely stunned that I wanted to interview it, uh, him at the time for ESPN. Then he got caught up in the recruiting process and got a little bit of an attitude. I'm not saying that Ron Wingo has an attitude, but I think he got caught up in the process and he likes being chased. And at this point, I think that Texas is doing the most chasing, and I'm told that's where he will likely end up. Um, is Missouri still even in the hunt for the five-star wide receiver uh, from St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, they've got that new law that they passed where um, the coach can actually be there in negotiations for NIL. So I think that helps. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> Tennessee doesn't need Ryan Wingo like they used to. How crazy no, is Ryan this? Wing- 
They don't. And they're never going to hurt for receivers in the future. I can tell you guys that right now. They're not going to hurt for receivers. They're going to always have what they need. And if they don't, they'll get them in the transfer portal, which is still a big part of recruiting right now. So I think that Tennessee's fine. There's a bunch of guys that can play receiver at a high level in college. Where Tennessee needs to win the battles are the edge rushers and the big, massive offensive linemen that can move people. And they're starting to win those battles. Really, honestly, guys, that you're on the message board now, don't worry about receivers anymore. As long as Josh Heupel is the head coach at Tennessee, they're going to be stacked at receiver. Don't even concern you yourself. To, that. You can get track stars and plug them in at receiver in Josh Heupel's system, honestly. Yep. And if they're willing to put time, time on the jugs machine like Jalen Hyatt did from 2021 to 2022, then they're going to be pretty good. Okay, you and I talked about this Johnny Manziel show, and I was very disappointed they didn't go, get into why he slipped off the face of the earth, and he wasn't, uh, he didn't look at himself. It wasn't introspective at all. But now you've got another one coming out about Florida and their group that won a couple of national titles with Chris Leak at the helm for one, Tebow play, Tim Tebow playing. Uh, an ancillary part, and then Tim Tebow winning one. Um, I want to see how deep this Netflix thing goes because they had a future murderer um, on their team. Maybe they, not future, by the way. Yeah, it may have already done it. Um, that and and they had a coach that listen. You rarely hear me just say I have no respect for somebody, but I have no respect for Urban Meyer. You know Jeremy Fowler, who's on uh, covers the NFL now. He got uh, berated by Urban Meyer. I don't rem remember if you remember that uh, that clip. And it was just a, a, an opportunity for him to try to make Jeremy Fowler look stupid in front of other reporters. And he knew the cameras were rolling. And it was just, it was, it was pitiful. It was absolutely pitiful. And the way he would treat a young man who was um, covering a program, that there's an awful lot of coverage. I hope it goes deep into the problems that, Florida has because I'm interested, not because I'm wish ill will on Florida, but if they don't have a Tim Tebow who has proven over time, he is the ultimate in faith. He hasn't even slipped up once. Everybody slips up once basically, except for what LeBron and Tim Tebow are the guys that project a good image and they haven't slipped up and gotten in trouble off the field. I remember one time somebody told me at Tim Tebow, I, I already had a six pack of beer in his hotel room. Well, I don't know that's true, but even if he did, if that's the worst that's thing. That's not slipping up. I know that's if that's the worst thing you do in life, I think that's pretty darn good. How deep do you think this thing will go? Because that was a group of a bunch of thugs. I hope it goes really deep too. I want to give a little context. And Dave, I want to throw it back to you afterwards because I want you to tell me what you, you were covering the you were covering Tennessee, but you're obviously covering the SEC. So you probably knew a lot of things going on during that era. Just for context, guys, Urban Meyer is hired in 2005. That's a significant year related to Tennessee because that is the year, as Dave knows, that Fulmer finally lost complete control of the program because he let so many things slide from a disciplined perspective. So much so that the University of Florida community created the Fulmer Cup. That was created by Florida fans, which for those who don't know, the Fulmer Cup is given annually to the team with the most arrests every year. And it's named after Philip Fulmer, was created by Florida fans, ironically, the year Urban Meyer got to Florida. Three years later, four years later, 
I have ne- I've seen coaches lose discipline. Don't get me wrong. Kirby Smart's having trouble with it. Jimbo Fisher had trouble with it at Florida State. I've never seen a coach openly thumb his nose at the national media the way Urban Meyer did, saying, I don't care what you guys think I should do. I will never forget. We know Aaron Hernandez. We know Cam Newton. I'll never forget Brandon Spikes, Florida playing Georgia in 2009. And Brandon Spikes stuck his hand into a Georgia running back's helmet and tried to gouge his eyes out. Literally tried to gouge his eyes out. Urban Meyer came up and said, I'll suspend him for a half for the next week. Just blatant thumbing his nose at everything. And I'm not here to defend Will Muschamp as a head coach, but I will say that when he took over Florida, he took over, Dave, you know, this a complete disaster. And I think it was so bad that I think parents of recruits were steering their kids away from that school because it was so notoriously bad. Similar to what happened in Miami, by the way, where they had a lot of trouble. That's why they still have trouble coming back. I think a lot of parents, even in the inner city of Miami, are like, I don't know if I want my kid to go into that school. I don't want them in that culture. Before the interweb and social media blew up and we knew everything about everybody, I, I, I'm curious if, if you even know this story. Do you remember a Ronnie Wilson? I do not, actually. Okay. Okay, so this is just one of the dudes. This is not Aaron Hernandez who ended up killing possibly multiple people. This is this is just a dude. So I'm I'm reading from Andy Staples. This is back <clears throat> in 2008. And this is the type of thing that got swept under the rug. So he's meeting with a Gator club in 2005 and 2006. He said that uh, when it comes to intelligent, uh, excellent character, and athletically gifted young men will be the top 1% of 1%. Athletically, he might have been right. But how about this? In April 2007, Ronnie Wilson was a redshirt sophomore offensive guard from Pompano Beach, Florida. He's going to be a starter. He was nasty. A little too nasty. It manifested itself on the field. And then early in the morning of April 5th, according to a Gainesville police report, this uh, Wilson cat, who's huge, he's an offensive lineman, six foot four, 315 pounds, decided it would be a good idea to punch an average man and then spit on him. That's pretty bad enough, right? That's that's your suspended for multiple games, not just a game, none of that, correct? Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, you're suspended for multiple games, absolutely. Okay. okay, it gets way worse. He should have been kicked off the team. Fuller jumped in his car, the person who was punched, and followed Wilson, staying on the line with 911 so police would know where to find Wilson. About 20 minutes later, according to the report, Wilson's plea and a 911 call, both cars stopped in an empty parking lot. Wilson pulled out a blank from his trunk. What is the blank? What what would you think is the blank? I cheated, I googled. But so. okay, okay. The blank was an AK forty-seven. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with people having guns. But why does a high school player in Gainesville, Florida, a small area, need an AK forty-seven? How does he even afford it before NIL? I don't know. Fuller ducked beneath the steering wheel. Wilson pointed to the sky and fired. And I literally remember listening to the audio and how scared this guy was. 16 months later, Wilson's back on the field as a walk-on defensive lineman. And he got chance after chance after chance. And he had an AK-47 and fired it into the air. 
what kind of an idiot does that? And this is just one of the idiots that was on that football team. This doesn't have to revolve around Aaron Hernandez, guys. This revolves around the entire culture of the program. Aaron Hernandez just happened to take it a step further. And they did everything they could to make sure that everybody was available for the biggest game. Now, Steve Spurrier kind of did this, but the, the, the transgressions weren't as serious. They did everything to make sure that the players were ready for the biggest games, and that was usually Tennessee because they would play two eh, okay teams to start the season that were like preseason games. So Urban Meyer, a lot of coaches are like this. He's not the only one. Urban Meyer was, he pushed it to the limit of how hard he could keep those players on. Remember Nick Saban early on kicked linebacker Jimmy Johns off the team for dealing cocaine in the parking lot of the Alabama football complex. So a lot of coaches do this, but you don't have to be successful. You don't have to do this to be successful. Caleb, this was a really bad group that I think affected, much like Tennessee struggled on the field for a decade. I think that group, like you alluded to, is very insightful. I think it affected Florida football recruiting for about a decade. Yeah, I do. And you've told you were insightful to me about USC and just the culture of Compton in the 80s. Parents want their Bobby Bowden had a great statement one time because a lot of these kids come from rough backgrounds with parents who are you know, who are in bad, who, who do a lot of bad things. But Bobby Bowden always said, even if your parent is a bad person, even if you're a bad person, these parents don't want their kids to be bad people. They want their kids to be good people. And so they'll still try to steer their kids to the right situation. Urban Meyer, one, he hid so much behind Tim Tebow. I mean, they trotted out Tim Tebow to provide cover for the program so much. And it honestly, to me, the, if there is a stain on Tim Tebow's legacy, it's that he covered for everybody doing everything at Florida during that time. I can't and put that on Tebow, though. I, I can't like, either. That, that's it, true. Had he done one little thing, like he had he gotten a DUI or something like that or anything since his time at Florida, I would say, yeah, they probably – he was po- probably a part of the problem. But I can't put anything on Tebow, man. I mean, I don't I, think – yeah, I don't think he was part of the problem, but I – you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe speak up about what one of your players did was unacceptable. What one of your teammates did was unacceptable. If you're this if you're this much of a golden boy, maybe say my teammate Brandon Spikes should not be trying to blind people when he's playing. Okay, yeah, but a golden boy also lets the coach handle that. So I can't put anything. Maybe you put a little bit on yeah, the on quarterback. Nah, not not when you're the, not when you're the quarterback. Um, I think in college I mean, you let the head coach handle that. I mean, I, I just felt like Peyton Manning always had command in college and the NFL of his team. Did you not? Like, always Peyton Manning was the one who had command of his team. And I've always felt that Florida hid behind the religiosity of Tim Tebow. And people who make, oftentimes people who make that much of a public spectacle and hide behind the religiosity of something, there's something going on beneath them. Look at Hugh Freeze, who is the most outspoken Christian coach there is in the SEC and would tweet Bible verses and darn near got Jonathan Congo to commit to Ole Miss because of how Christian he was. And we find out he's out here ordering hookers and I don't believe him that they were for himself. I'm just going to say that much, but oh, I'm, yeah, I know. Oh, that they were for recruits. Well, either I, I think they were for, I think they may have been for underage recruits. Um, okay. Well that, that may be, um, 
I, I don't know that, and I haven't heard that reported, but certainly with the number of escorts he was calling, it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, I, but I'm going to defend for a second again, and it's kind of gaining a little momentum on the message board. I'm going to defend Tim Tebow. He hasn't done anything to this point to me that has besmirched his image, but he is the one guy on that football team maybe that's been like that. And he is also a guy that um, I wouldn't expect in college as the quarterback to say something. If it's the NFL, I got you. So maybe you and I differ on that a little bit. But at the end of the day, I hope this Netflix series goes deep into it. And if it's just like the Johnny Manziel thing, then I'm going to regret my time spent watching it. Because they didn't go into the steps of Johnny Menzel's slide. It was like that was an hour. I don't remember how long it was. That was an hour long program. And like 50 minutes of it was how great he was and the impact he had. And then 10 minutes. Oh, I messed up. Sorry. Yeah, I, I want to hear why you messed up. Let's tell the story of 2009 with Florida real quick. Because you remember they win their second national title in 2008. Thugs and criminals all on the team. It really comes to a head in 2009 where it's kind of like Georgia last year. They're number one the whole year. They're squeaking by in games because they're just loaded with thugs and criminals. And that's the Brandon Spikes, Chris Rainey, um, all the Ronnie Wilson's back on the team that year, I think in 2009. And it's, it's, it's every week that was, you know, they barely beat Tennessee. They, uh, and, and they get to the SEC title game and they are, again, they are the worst behaved team in the SEC. They go play Alabama. Nick Saban, they had beaten Alabama the year before. Nick Saban's recruiting classes have finally taken shape. And I remember watching that game on the field, Dave. Florida acted like bad boys all year, and they did not look in the same class as Alabama in terms of toughness. And Alabama beat the brakes off them. There's an Alabama player. I, I don't want to call him out because I, I think I know who it is, but I could be wrong. But he, uh, he laid a hit on Brandon Spikes. And Brandon Spikes limped the rest of the game. And Alabama was, it was kind of like, do you remember the replacements that moment where they all take the 15 yard penalties because they drop kick everybody in front of them? <laughs> and it was, yeah, so it was, you're saying he was disingenuous that he wasn't really hurt. Is that what you're? No, 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 no. I'm saying Alabama was, it was almost like the Batman taking out the villain of the SEC moment. They were like, we're going to give Florida a taste of their own tough medicine and we're going to hit them and we're going to make them hurt. And you watch that game realizing that Florida was on its way out and that Alabama's dynasty was here. And you also watch that game realize, and then what did Urban Meyer do? He faked an illness and retired. Yeah, I covered that game. Afterwards, he looked like he was ill um, and blamed it on esophageal spasms, which actually I have had. And uh, oftentimes it's brought on by an anxiety attack. Sometimes not, but I think that was it. The health issues. I mean, no, mental health can't. issues. I, I know nowadays that we look at mental health issues as as they are significant, and they are. The mental health issue was Nick Saban just beat the hell out of me, and he's going to continue to beat the hell out of me. That was the mental health issue I, I have lost. It's like Rocky Three when he's getting ready to fight Mister T. You know when he screams on the beach, "I'm scared." That's practically what Urban Meyer did at the press conference after that SEC championship game. John Adams was with me, and John looked at me, and he goes, this is before we knew anything about health. John goes, he doesn't look right, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. And it was because that confidence had suddenly been shattered. And I think he knew at the end of the day 
that without that confidence, without winning at a high level, he wasn't going to have a pass for having a team full of thugs. And it all intertwined. And he was like, I got to get out of here. And he was humiliated in that loss because they did rub it in everybody's face. They they acted like the '95 Cowboys, Dave. You know this from the '90. Remember the '95 Cowboys was like, "We're thugs and we're 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 jerks, but we'll beat you on the field, so it doesn't matter." Florida carried themselves that way, and then when Alabama did that, it was oh. And by the way, I want to point point this out. Four years later, when the Jameis Winston stuff happened in 2013, 2014, Urban Meyer went on Bill O'Reilly. And and said, you know, it'd be really hard for me to accept a player like Jameis Winston on my team. He said that. Okay, whatever. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. I, I I don't know if they're going to go into it deep or not. I, I hope so. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Tuesdays we got John Adams. Wednesdays we have Jimmy Hyams. Thursdays we have Josh Ward, and then Fridays we have Fred White. For Caleb Calhoun, the one, the only. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.